Think about uh, last year, uh, whenever it came, comes up to be around uh, Christmas, New Year's, and you're thinking about what you're going to accomplish the next year. And by the way, I, next month, am turning, yes, 60 years of age. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I can tell, you look at me, you go, you have never been in better shape in your entire life. I know. That's very quiet. That was a bald-faced lie for... No offense to whoever's bald-faced here. I don't know what a bald face is, but that's no offense to you. And so uh, it was definitely not the truth. Well, it's just excited. But when, you, when, when you're 60, you begin to start thinking of things. And this last year, I was thinking, you know, what, a, what did God accomplish in my life this last year? What's God going to accomplish this year? What does God have for me? And I realized, did not realize this till the end of last year, that I had the best year of my life. The best year of my life in a particular area. Now, when you're 14, that's no big deal, okay? You've only had 13 shots at it, okay? All right. And so, but when you're 59, that's getting to be a big deal. Let me tell you what I had the best year of my life doing. Had the best year of my life in my personal time with God each day. I've been seeking the Lord, walking with the Lord for over four decades. And last year was the best year I've had with the Lord. I mean, I've had some really exciting, explosive years. But in my personal, intimate time with God, the times of refreshing, the intimacy that I've had with the Lord, bringing him my hurts, my pains, my sin, bringing it to him and allowing God to touch me and move in a consistent way every day, it's the best I've ever experience. It's amazing. I supernaturally wake up. I know this is going to really get some of you mad, okay? I do not use an alarm clock. I wake up almost always before the sun, okay? Almost always. And I don't have to set an alarm. I wake up. I'm rested. I, I know. I mean, I'm going to, I'm imparting it to you right now in the name of Jesus, all right? Okay. Receive it. Receive it, sister. Receive it, brother. Okay. And, and, uh, and it is absolutely amazing. And so, and then I think about every, almost every morning, I wake up and I have a song in my heart. I mean, this is only God stuff. I'm to, I have a worship song in my heart. It's playing in my mind. And I think about in the book of Zephaniah where he, he is sung over us. He sings over us in the night. You know, um, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and this is all for free. This just encourages you to get ready, all right? Get ready for the praise. Uh, Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning. Uh, it, it's going to get better, I promise, okay, for you not early people. Um, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I've read a statistic or heard a statistic. Probably it's not true, but like 80% of all people who have, are, are a massive Movers and shakers of life get up before the dark, before light. Y'all can leave now. I understand. We're all depressed. Okay, I understand. Um, while it was still dark, he got up. Early in the morning, while it's still dark, he got up. He left the house. Sometimes leaving the house is a godly thing, you know, especially, you know, I know many of you are raising children. You have a lot of things going on. I spent most of my time in the house with my worship, okay, but even through all that, me going to my office, going to a secluded place. And you might not know how to have a secluded place. Do you have a car? 
you know, get out in your car, go to a parking lot, okay, turn your music up and worship. You know, that's what I'm saying. Get to a secluded place. And so he left the house and he prayed. And so God has blessed me this year with some principles that I want to share with you this morning that I believe could change your life. It could change the way you spend time with the Lord. It can change your intimacy and your personal relationship with Jesus, and it will change your life, okay? And so what I want to do is I want to, um, to, to, to share with you that Pastor Dustin started our, our series last, uh, last week, and it was entitled what? What's that sound? What's that sound? And so today, I want to talk about what's that sound, you know, what's that sound coming from our house? What's that sound coming from our people? It's a sound of praise. It's a sound of worship. It's a sound of praise. For 29 years, it's been a, sound, it's, it's been a time of praise and a sound of praise. I remember the very first time we had our own facility, okay, in the foyer, it said, worship all across the wall worship that impacts the world. It was happening 29 years ago. It's happening today. And we're believing that God is going to move in a powerful way. And I believe that as I share some of these principles with you, that it's going to be fresh for you. I believe you're going to leave here hungry. I think you're going to leave here a little bit jealous before the Lord that I want a closer walk with the Lord. How many of you are old enough to know what a Walkman is? It's Sony Walkman. All right, there we go. There we go, Sony Walkman. Sony Walkman was a, a thing that you, uh, you got to listen to, okay? You put your headphones on, had a little cassette tape, a little, a little cassette tape, and you'd put it in, you'd shut it, and you hit play. And you, let me just say this, before then, I know most of you don't understand this, before then, you'd put a little headphone in your ear, and it sounded like the AM radio. <laughs> like that, Okay. I remember at the community swimming pool when I was in high school, my friend who was very into technology brought this latest and greatest, and he said, I'm not, not interested. Don't listen to it, Steve. And I put it on, my life changed forever. I mean, stereo in your ears. It was amazing. Then it went to Discman. Remember, it went to Discman. Okay, it doesn't sound nearly as cool, Discman, all right? It sounds like an off-brand of Walkman, but it's Discman. Then it went to iPod, Remember? Now, you know Dustin, Pastor Dustin had an iPod, right? You know that. I mean, I just could imagine, I was thinking in the first service, he's, he's into working out with his iPod, got his sleeveless shirt on, working out, doing his thing, towel around his neck, perspiring, and listening to his tunes. Can't you see Pastor Dustin doing that with an iPod? We know he did, all right? We know he did. I remember I had a, I had a uh, Motorola flip phone, okay, I was in my car with the Motorola flip phone, and I had heard about what an iPod is. I didn't do it. It's like no big deal, you know, probably still on the Walkman, okay, you know, 15 years before. And so uh, I heard on the news they were talking about how Apple was going to take the iPod and mix it with a phone and call it the iPhone. I thought that was the stupidest idea in the whole world. Why in the world would anybody want their music device and their phone device together? So obviously I'm not Steve Jobs, so, so we know that. The rest of that is history. There was a time when there was no Pandora. There was a time when there was, there was no YouTube. There was a time when there was no Spotify or Apple Play. There was a time. There was also a time where churches did 
did not bring forth great contemporary praise and worship music. Not that the people of God did not worship, not saying that, not judging in any way, but in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was a worship revolution that came. Okay, it was, And it's what we experience now. We're benefactors of that worship revolution. Now, but we couldn't just get good praise and worship music. KLTY was still there. It wasn't playing praise and worship. It was playing just Christian music, whatever that is. So just playing Christian music, all right? And I'm like, can somebody play some Christian, uh, worship music? Could, we were all hungry for it. We were so hungry, okay, so many of us, thousands and thousands and thousands, signed up with Integrity Hosanna Music, okay, and we're part of the Tape of the Month Club. We got, okay, our fresh praise and worship through the Tape of the Month Club, okay? It was, some of y'all know about Netflix and how they'd stick the, yeah, that, that's, we had this Tape of the Month. We'd get a cassette tape, and it had all these new latest and greatest songs, and we were all, I mean, worship leaders used this. It was amazing. I want you to understand something. We should never, ever, ever take for granted what God has done to allow praise and worship music to be right at our very tips. Every day, right there before us, we have more. And It is like a drinking out of a water, a water hydrant. We just can't handle it all. All that God is doing through people, all the songs that are being written, all the producing. It is amazing what God is doing. So grateful for our worship team and, and the prayer and how they seek the Lord and bring forth and introduce worship to us. It changes our lives. Praise. Praise is not something that we do on just a Sunday morning. Praise is something that we aim to do 24-7 Every day, all day long. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continued sacrifice of praise. We're to continually bring forth the sacrifice of, of praise. That's a sacrifice of praise? That means sometimes we don't feel like praising. That means sometimes we don't feel like getting up. That means sometimes we don't want to voice our prayer. We don't want to sound off in praise, right? That's why it's a sacrifice of praise at times. Psalm 71.8, my mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Psalm 150, it's a great psalm on all the different instruments you can play, the flute, the harmonica, the whole deal. It's, it, it's amazing, it, the whole thing. The kazoo, right here, it's in here on in verse 9. And so it ends up talking about praising the Lord. In verse 6 it says, let everything that breath, has breath praise the Lord. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Our first year of existence in our church, we, we had about 50 people, and we were able to solidify and book one of the greatest praise and worship leaders at that time. His name was Dennis Jernigan. And he actually came to our small little church, and we promoted, we had a, you know, probably, I think it was over 300 people. Donna, am I right about that? Somewhere around there? Okay. And, uh, and so, I mean, it was so exciting. And I remember, and Donna probably doesn't remember this because she's very godly, okay? And I remember there was a young lady that was worshiping in the front. She was kind of a friend of a friend. I knew who she was, didn't know her. And she was just going off. I mean, going off. I mean, just dancing, and, uh, and honestly, my little pharisaical thing in me was kind of going, you need to kind of pipe that thing down. <laughs> What's going on here? You know, and I had that thing. 
as, as a lead pastor, I might just have to go shut her on down, you know. And, and so that's kind of where, where, where I was with that. And I remember Dennis Jernigan stopped as if he literally was reading my mind. And he said, I remember a time when there was a young lady worshiping. He described like this lady, okay. And he said, and in my mind I was saying, she needs to pipe it on down. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he says, son, you have no idea what I freed her from. You have no idea. And the more I find myself freed, the more expressive I get, the more pumped I get, the more I want to dance, the more I want to shout, the more I want to scream. Thank you, Lord, for freeing me. Thank you for freeing me from myself. Thank you for freeing me from addictions. Thank you, Lord. He's so good to us. He's so gracious. So today we're talking about what that sound is. What's that sound? It's a sound of praise coming from this house. It's worship that impacts the world. Pastor Dustin started uh, last week the series, and he used the verse Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, that we will be focusing on this month. And it's, um, I have to understand, just a little context. This is uh, the people of God, Israel, going in to fight, make the battle of Jericho, okay? And it was the first battle after they crossed the Jordan River. So they're getting ready to go to battle, okay? And this is what happens when they go to battle. When the trumpet sounded and the army shouted, they used their voice, they shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. As you remember before this, Israel had been captive. It's the, the, the period of the exile, when they were exiled to, to Egypt. And they were slaves for over 400 years. And so then, you remember, Moses came in, let my people go, right? And all the plagues started happening, and the, and the Pharaoh finally said, okay, get out of my hair, you know. And Charleston, he didn't have no hair. Yo, Brenner, okay, he didn't have any hair in the, in the movie. And so they, he goes on, and they all leave. Well, they leave, but then they sin. And they rebel. And then they, instead of making it to the promised land, all they do is make it to the wilderness. And so they're in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're just going around in the wilderness. And then, finally, I think all of them pass except for the two men, Joshua and Caleb, who believed and who were upright, upstanding. And so they were able to lead them across the Jordan River. The, of course, the Jordan dried up. And they went across dry land. And so... And, and so then they're in the promised land. And that is when the, they begin to possess the land. And the, the, the battle of Jericho is where that is. So that's where the scripture comes. It helps you out a little bit, hopefully. Now, what I want to do is I want to take three principles that, that I see in this scripture. Okay, And, and anytime you want to know a little bit more about scripture, you might want to look before it. Look after it. Kind of put it in context. And so before it, this is in Joshua 6. We're going to look at also Joshua 4 and 5 and some events there as well as 6. And so we're going to take a look at those and see some principles that, that some things that they did right before all this miracle thing happened, which would be pretty important. I'd like to know what led up to that. So the, the first principle, and I happen to be, an, happen to be incorporating these this past year in my life, and that has really helped 
foster this phenomenal year that I've had with the Lord. So three principles of praise. First one, remembrance. The principle of remembrance. If you remember in in Joshua chapter 4, after they went across dry land, he said you need to go one from each tribe and go get a big big rock or a boulder, okay? And so they went across dry land from the middle of the Jordan, and they had a memorial, and they put a memorial stone. And it was to always remember where I have brought you from. It's to always be thankful to, that, that God is faithful. And so these, it's a memorial stone. So what, what they did, the very first thing they did before, after crossing, but before the battle, is they got memorials, and they began to say, we remember. We remember going across dry land. We remember you delivering us from Egypt. We remember, okay? And so there's a, a principle of remembrance. Also, in chapter 5, they observed and partook at the, uh, the Passover supper. And so we know the, the, the apex of the Passover meal is the wine. It's the, it's the thing that represents the blood of Jesus. And, uh, the, and, and that back in that day, it represented the blood of the lamb, okay? The last plague, the plague of the angel of death that was going to kill all the firstborn, okay? And so, and if you didn't want that to happen in faith, you sacrificed a lamb and you put the blood over the doorpost and the angel of death passed over, passed over that home, that family. Let me just say this, the blood still works today. The blood still works today. It is a regular thing that we do is observe the cross, the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our home, over our family, over our church, over our pastors. Because we declare in faith, in Jesus' name, the work that was done on the cross, it still works today. And every enemy has to pass over. And so this is what they were doing. They were remembering Many of you know that I love Baylor University. I love the Baylor, uh, the Baylor Bears. I went to um, a basketball game uh, about a month or so ago. And after, as we were walking past, as we were beating the piggies of Arkansas, just want you to know, I've got some, some pig sueys or whatever that is. And so after we whooped up on them, I was walking, and I had a, an encounter with the Lord. And I, and I walked, I, and I walked, and I went through the neighborhood because we was a little had to walk a little far and I parked and I'm looking everything had changed it's been 40 years you know and and I'm like oh my goodness that's my friend's condo right there it's still there I mean it looks the same that's amazing but then everything on the other side had built up with homes and stuff now the condo over here was not a happy thought for me because it was literally at the worst of my life the worst of my spiritual walk that represented. Things that I participated in there and the, what I was when I was going to that home, it was anything but godly. I was full of flesh. I was full of, full of myself. I was full of pride, full of perversion, full of just me. And it was just nasty. And I'm like, oh, man. And then the Lord quickly reminded me right across the street right here where all those houses are, that was the park. And I'm like, wait, just a second. That is literally the park right there where I encountered God. And God touched me and radically changed me and picked me up with his right hand and set me forward in the kingdom of God. So I'm walking, I'm parked, and I'm literally remembering 
this over here, where would I have been today? Would I even be alive? Who, the destruction that would have happened in my life if I would have continued to go over here? Or then I think about what God did do and how he saved me and how he cleansed me and how he's given me new life and direction. That's remembering. That's the principle of remembrance. We need to remember. Yes, forget what lies behind, but you do need to remember at times where we would be without him. We need to not take him for granted. We need to move forward. We need to remember the blood of Jesus. We remember what God did for us on the cross. And because of his sacrifice, we're here today holy and blameless before the Lord. It's the principle of remembrance. Secondly, the principle of repentance. Joshua in chapter 5. Joshua in chapter 5. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. I have so many thoughts about this. All I will say is the, all the men were circumcised with a sharp rock. That's what, that's what, that's what I was, I'll just, I will say this. There's, there's probably, if I was God, and I was preparing for this battle, there is literally at least one million th instructions I would give before circumcision. Okay? But that's not our God. What's that all about? I'm not going to give you the whole what it's about, but a couple of things it is about. First thing, it set apart this people. It set them apart. You know, to, to this day, we read in Scripture, and there were the unbelievers, the uncircumcised, and the believers who were the circumcised. We, we see it in Scripture, you know. Now, that's not now naturally, okay. That's, we're going to get to it, this circumcision of the heart here in just a minute. But back then, it was identifying who they were and who their God was. It was a setting them apart. It was a setting apart the people of God. They were not to be like the other nations. They were to be different. They were to, be, they, were to, they were to act differently. They were to worship differently. They were to eat differently. They were to, to they, than the rest of the world, they were to obey certain laws that the other people did not. They were to be different and set apart for their Lord. That's the first thing it's about. The scripture says in Psalm chapter 4 verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart, set apart, New Testament stuff, set apart, uh, Psalms, set apart for himself, him who is godly. It says when we're set apart, it says the Lord will hear when I call to him. Woo! 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch anything unclean. And I will welcome you. The Lord will hear when I call. And I will welcome you when we're set apart. When we're separating. You know, we should be different. We should act differently. We, sh we, 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 we should think differently. You know, we should not be comfortable in this world. We should not be comfortable in the culture of this world. We should be different. There should be resistance against what God is, what the, the, the culture is bringing to us. Paul says, I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. You see, this isn't our home. You know, we need to be uncomfortable with the culture. We need to realize that there's so much going on in our lives, so much going on in this world that 
keeps us from being set apart for him, keeps us from, uh, from being specifically what God has called us to be. The word is repentance, and it means to change the way we think. And so we've got to understand in order to be set apart, we've got to change the way we think. You know, um, it, the definition of circumcision is more like the act of cutting away the filth of the flesh. And we see in the New, this is New Testament circumcision now. This is circumcision of the heart. The whole Old Testament, New Testament, don't have the time to get all into it, but it's a type and shadow. What happens in the Old Testament uh, preaches to the New Testament what's going to happen. And so it, God is interested in the circumcision of the heart. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. The whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. The act of cutting away the filth of the flesh. We're to not be mastered by anything. It says right here, ruled by the flesh, not to be mastered by the flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, I have the right to do anything. That's what I hear. Well, I got the freedom to do this, and I get the freedom to do this. You do. You get the freedom to have the consequences too. Okay, and, and missing out on maybe what God has for us. We got the freedom. It says, but not everything is beneficial. Yes, we have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then he goes on to say, I have the right to do anything. He says, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. We've got to get out of the slave mentality of fear masters me. Anxiety masters me. You know, pride masters me. Lust masters me. No, the, the, the word of God says right here, Paul, in his heart, this is why we need to repent. We need to have that mind that we will not be mastered by anything. We've got to change our thinking. And although we're not set apart in areas, and although there are areas in our life that we're mastered in, we don't give in to it. We continue to say, you are the king. You, you are the king. I'm your bondservant. Okay? You're the master, I'm your slave. You're the father, you're the father, I'm your child. We've continued to have to press in our time with God that we're not giving in to the flesh. We're not going to do it. Each morning when I spend time with the Lord, I will come and I will remember. And I'll remember the blood of Jesus and I'll remember the goodness and how, how good the Lord is. I can't believe how good the Lord is. We just thank him. And, and there is a time, though, invariably, that I have to come before my Lord and say, I'm not set apart in this area, Lord. I want to be set apart. I don't, I don't want to be a slave to this. Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to be a slave to this. I repent, Lord. I repent. I change the way I think. I'm not giving into this anymore. I apply the blood of Jesus over me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and cleansing me, giving me new hope for the day to be what you've called me to be, to be set apart for you. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped away. I love that. He didn't just call us to repent and turn to Him. Repent to turn to Him. Our sins will be wiped away. And then it says, Then times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
I'm declaring today, when you get up, you spend time with God, you remember Him, and when you begin to repent and you cry out to God and say, I'm going to be a man of God, I'm going to be a woman of God set apart for you, I'm declaring in Jesus' name, there'll be times of refreshing. There'll be times of refreshing for you. You'll sense His presence. You'll sense His love, waves of love. Not guilt, shame, condemnation, depression, but purity, cleansing, freedom, love. I declare it over you today. Lastly, reverence. Reverence. The principle of reverence. It's a feeling or an attitude of respect. Tinged with just a little bit of awe. Reverence before the Lord. It involves humility, our coming under the Lord. It it involves submission, us submitting to Him as the Lord. It involves obedience, that there be a yes in our hearts. In Joshua chapter 5, chapter before, uh, our passage says in Joshua was near the town of Jericho he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with the sword in his hand Joshua went went up to him and demanded I mean he's right there he's right there in front of the Jericho near Jericho where the battles are getting ready to happen he's got a sword and he says and, 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 and he says who are you your friend or foe he says neither I'm the commander of the Lord's army it's the name of the Lord Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. That's a yes in your spirit. I am at your command, Joshua says. What do you want your servant to do? He says, take off your sandals, your holy ground. He t- Joshua did what he told, was told. Then we see Joshua was told to get clear instructions about the whole battle. They're walking around for six days, one time, and then the seventh day, seven times. And then we see the scripture, we, just, we, we see the scripture where it says in, in chapter five, ch- chapter six, verse five, when you hear the sound, a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse. You see, before there was a falling of the wall, there, were, there was a people that was looking up to God. They were obedient. They were submitted. They were revering the Lord. Whatever you say, I'll do. Coming under with Him. You know, when I spend time with the Lord over this past year, this has been a revelation, a little bit of a change for me. And it has been this understanding of this reverence and when I talk about humbling, humbling ourselves before the Lord and magnifying the Lord, it literally is a posture of lifting you up. Less of me, more of you. It's not about me. It's not about what I've done or not done right. It's about what you have done, Lord. You, what you've done right, the cross. Thank you. It's that humility. It's that reverence before the Lord. What's that sound? What's that sound coming from this people? It's a sound of praise. It's a sound of praise that destroys walls. And it comes from us remembering all that God's done for us. It comes from us repenting 
changing the way we think comes from us revering our Lord. Will you please stand up?